good morning, church. Welcome to those in the parking lot, those at home. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been whitewater rafting? Raise your hand if you've been whitewater rafting. A lot of you. A lot of us went whitewater rafting with Summit a few weeks ago in Colorado. A, a pretty large, um, about 170 of us went up to Colorado for our church a retreat every other year. And a lot of us went whitewater rafting. And that was super fun. It's fun for my family. I, I want to share a story with, with you, not of a whitewater rafting experience I had, but one of uh, two of my, my good friends that work here, Scott Young and Andy Lashley and their wives, Sonia and Summer, went whitewater rafting a few years ago and had quite the trip. If you've ever been, you'll know that it's kind of like riding on a plane where people get up and tell you all these safety features at the beginning, but nobody really pays attention because the boat's really never supposed to flip. And for most people, that doesn't happen. But for, for Scott and Andy and their wives, it actually did happen. They're in the middle of the trip. They hit a rock. And it's not just that two or three people fell out. Their, their entire boat flipped over. And every single person was in the water in the middle of a rapid. Now, the way Scott tells the story is that Scott is obviously panicking. It, it's so disorienting that there's rapids everywhere. There's water everywhere. And, and Scott does what any loving husband would do. He tries to find his beloved wife. But obviously, it's, it's chaotic, and it's, it's hard to know what's going on. But he finds her, and he knows that he's supposed to get to shore. And this is not a very graceful experience, but Scott just grabs his wife. He just yanks and tugs and pulls any limb or part he can find because he's trying to save his wife. And so after several minutes of, of this very difficult process of trying to get his wife to the shore, finally they land on the shore and they, they roll on their backs and they're looking at the sky and they're panting, they're thankful to be alive. And then Scott looks to the side and there's a problem. It's not his wife. <laughs> Scott has inadvertently just saved Andy's wife, Summer. Now, what's the point here? Uh, the, the point would be, thou shalt not save thy neighbor's wife in that way. Now, here, here's the real point. point. This, I'm going to to explain this just a minute. Y you are the personal captain of your lifeboat when it comes to this pandemic. So I want you to think for a moment about what Scott was doing there. The boat turns over, and, and most people in the middle of a crisis, they do one of two things. They either... They step up or they shut down. And so some people have the tendency to get really overwhelmed and to not do anything. But Scott didn't do that. He stepped up and he tried to do something. Now, now, did he save the wrong woman? Yes, but at least he tried. There's a lot of other people that when it comes to a crisis, they just, they don't do anything. For example, where was Andy Lashley <laughs> in this story? <laughs> We don't know. We don't know. Andy will have to explain that later. No one's really sure what, where Andy was. Obviously, he saved himself. Very, very noble of you, Andy. <laughs> some people step up. Some people shut down. So when it comes to this strange season of life, a lot of you, and we're going to read books and articles and watch YouTube videos and get lots of information. But at the end of the day, you have to make decisions for your well-being and for your life. In other words, you're, you're the captain of your personal lifeboat. Nobody else is going to 
decide what your boat does except you. No one's going to decide what happens in your finances. No one's going to decide what happens in your relationships. That's really up to you. And so here's, here's what I've noticed. There, there's a lot of us who, whether we know it or not, we've taken on this mindset of uh, being a captive. And so we've said to ourselves, well, I, I'm really stuck. There's nothing I can really do. My work life is so different. Church life is just, it's just totally changed. I don't see the same people that I used to. For some of you are thinking, I, I can't even get out of my house. The, the, the school system is just radically different. And so some of us, because of all these changes, we tell ourselves, well, I'm just, I'm just the victim. I'm just a captive. There's really nothing that I can do. My hands are simply tied. But what I'm going to talk about today for just a moment is this. I really want you to, to start thinking about this idea that you are a captain, not a captive. And so, yes, on the one hand, you can spend this, this particular season of your life simply asking the question, well, when is this going to end? Or you can spend your time thinking about this question. What is my best next move? What's my best next move? And if you spend your time thinking about that particular question, then what's going to happen is you, you probably are not going to feel as sorry for yourself as you might have in the past, and you'll actually start making progress. Because at the end of the day, no one else is in charge of your spiritual life except you. And nobody else is in charge of your friendships and your relationships except you. And no one's in charge of your financial practices except you, because you're the captain of your personal life boat. And so I'm going to challenge you today as the captain of your lifeboat, to reimagine and to take back one particular area of life, which in my opinion, a lot of us are letting float away. See, when you're in the middle of a storm, when you're in the middle of a rapid, you, you have two choices, really. You can float or you can swim. And floating is a passive act, and swimming is an active act. And for a lot of us, we're simply floating. And what I want to challenge you to do today on this specific area of life, which I haven't mentioned yet, is I really want to challenge you to start swimming, start doing something about this area of life. And so before I tell you what it is, I want to go to a story in the Bible, which I have, in my personal life, found pretty helpful over the last few weeks. I want to talk about the story of Joseph from the Old Testament. So this story is 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 very instructive because there's actually a lot of similarities between what Joseph went through and what we're going through. So you think about Joseph, most of the things that happened in his life, he, he did not control. He was plunged out of all normalcy for reasons totally out of his hands. When he comes into the scene in our Bibles in Genesis 37, this guy is, he's a bright young man, he's handsome, intelligent, full of promise, He's got a job, he's got a great family, he's got money, he's got food, he's got a future. And then he hits some class five rapids. He gets thrown into a pit by his brothers, he gets sold into slavery. He gets forced into labor, then he's framed for rape. He's falsely accused, he's falsely incarcerated. And then the one guy who could get him out of jail conveniently forgets that he's there. And so Joseph, for all intensive purposes, was one of the very first victims of what we call today cancel 
culture. His existence was more or less wiped out from the face of the earth. Now, to me, what's even more remarkable than what happened to Joseph is how Joseph responded to what happened to Joseph. And so I want to zoom in on a scene here. He's just been sold to Potiphar. He misses his dad. There's probably some culture shock going on. And here's what we read in Genesis 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, which, by the way, that, that is actually the main theme of the story of Joseph. It's the faithfulness of God. He's not going to let, he's not going to give up on, on Joseph, even though there's all this horrible things happening to, to Joseph. So that's the main theme, God's faithful. But there's a second really important theme in this story, and it's the theme of partnership. And this is the theme in which what God wants to do in the world, he's actually doing through his people as they make their daily decisions. And so to continue with verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So let's stop there and just pause and think about what would that have been like to live there? Well, this means that Joseph would have done things like fetching the water. He would have fed the animals, probably would have washed clothes. He would have got to know other slaves, other people. In other words, he didn't just sit around feeling sorry for himself. He actually got really good at living life. In fact, he was so good at living and serving and relating that verse 4 says this, Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and he entrusted his, to his care everything that he owned. And so in other words, the image I want you to get here is that Joseph's in the middle of a rapid. He's in the middle of a storm, but he's not floating. He's swimming. Like he's doing something active, not passive. Here's another scene from the, the story of Joseph. We'll zoom into this part. He, he's on trial here. This is uh, also chapter 39. He went, or he didn't go on trial. He actually didn't get a trial at all. He's put, he's put in prison. He didn't get a lawyer. No one came to his defense. There's no group outside the cell advocating for his release. He is completely and utterly stuck. And here's what scripture says in chapter uh, 39, verse 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. There's that theme again. God showed Joseph kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. So again, what's happening here? Number one, God is faithful to Joseph. But number two, Joseph is faithful to his moment. And so imagine for a minute, how do you get promoted when you're a prisoner? Well, the way you get promoted is you do your job really, really well, and you have a good attitude, and you follow orders, and when someone asks you to do something, you do it. Like, this is the kind of thing that Joseph was doing. He, again, he wasn't feeling sorry for himself. He wasn't just becoming a recluse and saying, woe is me. He was saying, you know what? I'm in prison, but I, I can still make decisions every day. And so he was not shutting down. He was stepping up. He wasn't floating. He was swimming. And so here's my challenge for you. We're, we're obviously in the middle, middle of a, a year-long rapid that doesn't seem to be ending. But there's one particular area of life for a lot of us that, in my opinion, and again, I don't know exactly what's going on in every one of your lives. I'm just saying generally, I feel like this area of life, there's a lot of us who have stopped swimming and we're just floating we're not being intentional at all about this area of life. And the area I'm talking about is our friendships. So here's what a lot of us have done. We have more or less put our friendships on the back burner under the general 
excuse of, well, it's, it's the pandemic. What are you going to do? Everything's different. My job is different. Work's different. Church is different. We, we can't get out of our house. We've got to wear masks. It's hard to even understand people. So I guess I, just, I guess I just won't really focus on my relationships for the time being. I'll pick that up on another year. That's what a lot of us have done. We've, we've just put our friendships to the wayside. But let me ask you a question. If, if the person in this world that you love more than anyone else came to you with this predicament of, of I don't know what to do about my relationships, would you tell that person just to take a year off? Would you tell that person, yeah, don't worry about it, just get through the pandemic, it's just people, it's just relationships, you don't really need them? Of course you wouldn't say that. In fact, my guess is if you were talking to the person that you loved more than anybody else in the world, you would say, no, you need to buckle down. In fact, you need these people, you need these friendships more now than you ever have. That's what you would tell someone that you love. And so my question for you is, why would you not follow your own advice? Far too many of us in this area of life have decided to float and not to swim. And that, to me, is what makes the story of Joseph absolutely remarkable. Because Joseph, he's going through a scenario that, for, for, for all intents and purposes, is worse than what we're going through. I mean, he's, he's been thrown in jail. He's taken away from his his family, he's a, he's a slave, the guy has no rights. I mean, he's going through a super, super difficult time. And so if anybody had the right to say, yeah, whatever, I'm done, I'm giving up, I'm just going to become this bitter old man, like, Joseph had the right to do that. And if Joseph had given up and said, yeah, whatever, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do this, God gave up on me, therefore I'm not going to try. If he had done that, none of us would have judged him. In fact, most of us, if that's how the story read, we would say, well, you know what? That's exactly what I would have done. If, if I was betrayed, if I was rejected, if my family disowned me, if I was thrown in jail, if, I, if there's no way I'm going to get out, if I'm that hopeless, I'm going to give up too. None of us would have judged Joseph if Joseph had just decided I, I'm done with, with my life, my relationships. But that's what's amazing about this story is that Joseph, he wasn't a captive. He was a captain, and it didn't matter whether he was in a pit or it didn't matter if he was in Potiphar's house or if he's in jail, he's still going to wake up in the morning and decide what's my next best move. See, Joseph knew that God was with him, and he acted like it. Like, how would you live your life if you knew 100% that God was with you? Like, what would you do today? What would you do tomorrow? Specifically, the one thing I want to highlight in the story of Joseph is this. Joseph didn't relinquish his relationships. Now, there's no exact line I can pull from the text to, to say that he was really focused on his relationships, but I can say this. You don't get promoted in Potiphar's house, and you don't get promoted in prison unless you are investing in people. In other words, what happened to Joseph is it didn't matter how bad his disaster was. Joseph recognized his need for people. And, and here's what I would want to say to you. Even though this is a really, really, really weird time, and I know that all, you know this, but as your preacher, I'm just reminding you of this. You need people. And the reason you need people is because you were made in the image of God. And if you, like, strip down God to who he is at his core, he is relationship at his core. He is Father, Son, Spirit. 
And so if you were to delve into the very being and the very essence of God and you got down into like the very essence of who he really is, you would not find solitude. You would find community. God exists in relationship with himself. It's that significant to him. And you're made in his image. And so what that means is that I don't, I don't care how independent you are or insecure you are or, or how much money that, that you have or, or how secure you are in yourself or even how socially awkward that you are. You're not an island. You were made in the image of God and that means you were made for people. You were made for community. And so if you take a year off of this and just put them to the side and say, yeah, I'll pick up later, you're going to be worse for that. You need people. And you know what? Sometimes people need you. But here's the catch. You were made for community, but you have to make it happen. You were made for it, like designed by God to be a relational person, but you have to be the one to make it happen. I think for far too many of us, we're sitting around waiting for someone else to text us or someone else to, to give us a call. And then when those calls don't come in, we get bitter and then we complain to somebody else, well, yeah, no one really thinks about me and no one cares about me and no one's checking up on me. Well, the reason they're not thinking about you and, and checking up on you is because they probably feel the same way. And so there's no use in becoming bitter about this. In fact, you're better than bitter. What you need to do and what I need to do, what we all need to do is we need to pick up an oar and start rowing. You're the captain of your lifeboat. And so you don't need to wait for anybody else to come in and check on you because, again, you're in charge of your spiritual life. You're in charge of your relational life. And so there's no, it does nobody any good to sit around and feel sorry for yourself because no one's checking on you. Pick up the phone. Stop floating and start swimming. In fact, let me give you a great example of two people in our church family that did just that a few weeks ago. I love this story. So uh, a lot of you know Joe Crawford and know Shannon Hayes. About six weeks ago, our country is kind of at the height of the, the racial tension this summer. George Floyd had, had just died, and, and the tension was high. I mean, many people were kind of hunkering down to their own opinion and trying to justify what they've always thought and they've always believed, and, and a lot of people were on social media. There's tons of just hate and a lot of sad stuff going around the internet at that time, but I love what Joe and, and Shannon did. They decided, for a, for a moment at least, to pause the virtual platforms as the solutions to their internal problems, and they decided to take up the medium of friendship to at least move forward in this particular area. And so Joe called Shannon one day, and he said, hey, I know this is awkward, but we've been friends for a long time. Would you mind if I came over to your house? And I just, I just have some questions that I want to ask specifically to you. I don't want to post them. I just want to ask them to someone that I trust. And Shannon said, hey, you're welcome to come over, but I got some questions of my own, and I want to ask you these questions as well. And so they get together, and they, they ask hard questions. And I, I won't read all of them to you. Each of them asked about 10 questions to the other, but here's some of them. Joe asked Shannon these two, uh, two questions. Why, when I disagree with a person of color, am I considered a racist? It's a good question. Uh, Joe also asked this question. What's the first step to communication with people from another race in today's sensitive society? Another great question. Uh, here's two of the questions that Shannon asked Joe. How might the development of America happen different without slave labor? It's a good question. Uh, Shannon also asked this question. How would you feel if your daughter was married to a black man and he was murdered? 
And I tell you that story for multiple reasons. One, those are great questions. But the main reason I tell you that story is that they didn't wait for anybody else. They just said, I've got a friend. I've got a phone. I'm going to call him up. And I don't know why that's so hard, but, and I'll, I'll put myself in this boat too, it is hard sometimes for a lot of us just to take the first step. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's we're just in bad habits. I don't know if we feel like we're going to be seen as the weird one. But I, I'm just telling you, you're made in the image of God. And you need people. And for a lot of us, it's about time we, we stopped complaining about it and we just picked up an oar and started paddling because, again, you're the captain. You're not a captive. You're the captain of your personal lifeboat. So here's three questions as we wrap up here to get you unstuck. Three questions to get you moving forward and reconnecting with people in your life. Question number one is this. Who can I bless? One of the best ways to connect with people is to bless somebody. Let me just tell you, last week, I got to witness so many people blessing other people. I was uh, right by the door on Fellowship Central handing out bags. So many of you came and took us up on our Bridges project of blessing the educational community. Tons of you came and got bags, and we delivered 300 bags to Memorial Road educators and community educators. And then a lot of others of you, I was so impressed by, like, I think it was Monday afternoon, you all had signed up for all 15 schools as far as the schools surrounding our, our area to get, give meals to them. And so we as a church family gave uh, 15 schools meals this last week, representing 1,000 people. I was like, that's a lot of, like, you should be proud. We're, we are, our church is blessing a whole lot of people. I, we had, I had some old, uh, some donations I was, I was giving away, and so I took them down to Second Chances where one of our members, Delisa, runs this store in Oklahoma City and just does a great job and you know, I was there for 30 minutes, and she's blessing so many people. She, she'd given away 39 bags to homeless people just that, that morning. It's, it's amazing. So I, I've been around so many people blessing others. I, I got a, we got an email from one of our members last week that said, can you just give me the name of someone who's shut in? Because I just want to take that person in my car and just, just drive them around the city just to get them out of the house. Like, a lot of you are starting to bless others. And so the reason that question is so important is like if you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I get people in my life, who, who can I bless? That's question one. Question two is this, who can I trust? Everybody needs somebody to be really honest with. It's like you, you've got the surface area, surface level stuff of life where you talk about the weather and you talk about the thunder, but every one of us has the deeper things, the things we worry about, the things we're concerned about, the things that, that Joe and Shannon talked about. You need someone to talk about those things with. And so question two is, who is somebody that I can trust? And so maybe this week you text that person and say, hey, can we, can we take a walk? Can we talk? Like, you need that person. Question one, who can I bless? Question two, who can I trust? Here's question three. Where can I join? So Memorial Road Church of Christ is a really big church. And one of the ways we stay connected is through our smaller groups and our medium-sized groups. And it's been pretty crazy for, for a few months now. But we're, we're taking some really proactive steps to make sure that, that all of our systems are, are up and running again. And so what I really want you to do on this one is we, we have a, a webpage, mrcc.org slash connect, that has every single way you can connect to this church family on that page. So if, if you're looking for Q groups, it's on that page. If you're looking for Bible classes, it's on that page. If you're looking for counseling, it's on that page. If it, if you're looking for Celebrate Recovery, it's on that page. If you're just like, I'm new, I don't even know where to start, there's a link on the page exactly for that question. We want everybody 
to connect or to reconnect with this church family. In fact, we feel so strongly that, that we need to reconnect that I'm going to pause for just a minute. And we have over 20 Bible classes that, that are meeting in some capacity. And so we want you to, to see who these leaders are. And so in just a minute, we're going to have a, a roaming mic. And each class leader is going to introduce themselves and, and say their class name and then just tell you the next time that they are meeting. So for just a minute, I want to turn the, the service over to Andy, and Andy's going to roam throughout the audience and take it away. Sounds good. So let's have all of our leaders who are going to speak today stand up right now so I can see where you're at, and I'm just going to make my way around you real quickly. So we're going to lead off with your bat and lead off, Jeff. I'm Jeff Walker. My wife is Bobby. We're part of the CIA class, which is Christians in Action. Uh, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for Zoom. Uh, we have a time of uh, fellowship and sharing and prayer. We also have a short lesson. Uh, starting next month, we're going to meet on the second Sunday uh, in person here in uh, Fellowship Central. If you'd like to join us, Every other Sunday night, we meet right here where the tents are, just for a time of fellowship, social distancing. Thanks, Jeff. Go right back here. We're Mike and Gayla Udi, and we're members of the Forever 50-something class. Our class plans are to view from home a lesson put out by Josh at 945. Then at followed, following that will be a Zoom meeting. Uh, for discussion. We also plan to meet once a month for those who feel comfortable doing it to view the lesson and to have a discussion. Thanks, Mike. Hi, I'm Dave and Linda Morton. Uh, we're with the Empty Nesters class and we meet weekly via Zoom at 1015. Dave, I'll be back in a minute, guys. Sprinting like the wind. Michael, you're up. My name is Michael Hathaway, and my wife Claire Hathaway are part of the New Beginnings class. And we meet every Sunday at 10 o'clock on Zoom, and we will look to meet in person once a month once we work that out. Thank you, Michael. Spin move. This is Patty Simmons. I'm her husband, Jeff. We're with the Foundations class. We will be meeting here at the building the first Sunday of every month. And then also our families are getting signed up for three by threes where we'll be meeting each other's uh, homes in groups of three. Thank you, Jeff. Another Jeff. Incidentally, winning the prize for the best dressed in the parking lot. It's not Andy Lashley, is it? My name is Jeff Tiefertiller, my wife Tessa. We meet via Zoom in the Christian Families class at 10 a.m. And we are starting to have a class party, get together once a month, outside socially distanced. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> hey, I'm loving it, Jeff. I'm Tom Clay, and this is my wife, Gina. We're with the Families and Friends class. Uh, we meet at 10.30 every Sunday on Zoom, and every third Sunday we'll be meeting inside starting next month. Thanks, Tom. Let's see. Let's go back over to Ryan here. Put that mask on, Ryan. I'm Ryan Harper, my wife, Kimberly. We're in the Connected class. Uh, we are meeting every week. 
on Wednesday at 7.30. The guys are going to meet one week. The women are going to meet the next week. Uh, we are meeting at our houses on our packed patios and in our backyard. Uh, we hope you reach out and uh, get connected with us. Thanks, Ryan. I'm Todd. This is Kathy Wright. We're in the Cornerstone class, and we meet at 10 o'clock on Sundays for a Zoom class. And then after that, we break out into some small groups on Zoom. Thanks, Todd. I'm Taryn, and this is Aaron Conduct, and we're part of the Generations class. We meet at 9.45 on WebEx every Sunday, and starting in September, we'll meet uh, in Fellowship Central on the third week, and we do three-by-threes. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Eric, coming to you. I'm Eric, and this is my wife, Amanda Hamilton, and uh, we're with the Young Professionals class. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock on Zoom, and starting in September, the third Sunday of every month, we're going to meet... Under the, the drive through port right there. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. Thanks. All right. This is uh, David and Susan Huslig. We're with the International Baba class, where we're actively swimming to fill the great commencement. Um, um, we meet on uh, Saturday evenings at 730, and also a Friday time Sunday morning. Thanks, guys. I'm Casey, and this is Brittany Thomas, and we're with the Thrive class, and uh, in September, we're going to be meeting at the Hartman Place every week uh, after service. Thanks, guys. All right. Still going. Go, go, go. Uh, I'm Jeff McKnight. I currently do not have a wife, but uh, I'm part of the launch class. <laughs> And we meet every Sunday on the deck by the summit of Memorial Road. And we're having a good time. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Ladies, you know where you can find Jeff over here, all right? I'm Austin McCray, a part of the REACH class. And we're meeting every Sunday, uh, one Sunday uh, via Zoom, and then one Sunday in person. And then today we're meeting at 945 at Bickham Rudkin Park, which most of you probably know as Smokers Park. So it's just right over there next to the dog park. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Evasive maneuvers here. Am I missing anyone else? Dennis and Elaine Kelly, and we're with the Upward Bound class, and we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. via Zoom. Thanks, Dennis. Did I get everybody? All right. That's it. Hey, thanks, for, thanks so much for all that uh, information. A lot of great information there. You date Jeff McKnight, a lot of bonus uh, information there. I appreciate all that. Hey, ma main reason we did that is we just want you to know, like, it's one thing to show up either in the parking lot or watch at home and watch our services, and that's, that is important, but we want you to get connected. That you, your walk with Christ is only really as strong as your, as your Christian friendships, and we want to be a place where you can find uh, find those friendships, and we can't we can't uh, sail your boat for you, but we can certainly create an environment in which you can find the people that, that you need. And so remember, you're not a captive, you're a captain, and don't, don't ask the question, how long is this going to last? Ask the question, what is my next best move? And then uh, take it, if, if you'll bow with me in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for this church family and for all the relationships 
um, that we see here, and we're grateful for so many years of community where so many brothers and sisters supporting each other. And Father, I do pray right now specifically for the people that feel disconnected. Uh, maybe they used to be connected and that, that they're not anymore, or maybe they're new and are ready to get connected for the first time. And Father, I pray that you'll lead these people to the right um, friends and the right classes and the right Q groups so that they can find the connection that they need, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.